It's HPR, All Things Considered, and I'm Dave Lawrence, with the latest guest in our new interview series, Road Stories, connecting to artists around the world, on and off the road. Find them at hawaiipublicradio.org slash roadstories, along with links to the podcast. Today, a group returning to the Blue Note Hawaii, February 21st and 22nd, and the Kahimu Theater, February 23rd and 24th, with a new album of remakes with the WDR Funk House Orchestra called 50. We're hearing it now. It's the Manhattan Transfer. Here in the Celebrating as many years entertaining folks, and a pleasure to have Manhattan Transfer original member, Alan Paul. Very exciting to welcome you to uh, to All Things Considered with us. Thanks for doing this. Sure, my pleasure. And one time we had everybody in the studio, and that was the time, I forget why you couldn't come over for some reason, but we had everybody sitting in the studio and there was something. You were here, but uh, but it's great. Now we have you here. And there's another aspect that makes this tour kind of special for folks on the Big Island and in the Honolulu area and anywhere, really, who are flying in for it. You have built it as the final cross-continental tour. Well, we're not really on the continent, but it's an interesting qualifier nonetheless. Explain what's going on and what that reference implies as to what might still be possible. Well, what a reference. We're, we're going to stop touring. Is what you know. We're gonna we're celebrating the 50th anniversary, and we're gonna take it you know around the world. We're going uh, next week. Um, um, we're leaving for Finland and Scandinavia. Then we're gonna go back to Europe in the summer, and we're going to Japan. You know, um, but you know it's getting harder. Doing mm-hmm. the touring is getting harder. You know, the world is different now than it used to be, mm-hmm. um, and it's just more difficult touring so you know we're going to still be together we'll you know maybe make another album or two or whatever do special dates but Mm -hmm. as far as the touring it's just it's too hard it's uh you know hard on wear and tear on the body to do that schlepping oh i get it schlepping good word for it too and uh when you talk about the record thinking about 50 there's a side to this i'm always curious who pays or paid to record it, produce it, manufacture it, pay the members of that orchestra and market it. And then how do you guys make any money back on it in this? Uh Good, very good questions. Well, it's a collaboration with the WDR Funk House Orchestra, which is a a symphony orchestra. Um, And they're not necessarily funky, although that's (laughs) their name. It's kind of a, a, a pop orchestra. And we... 2019 did a concert with them in Cologne. They're from Cologne, Germany. And we had such a wonderful time together, all of us. We said, hey, why don't we do a project together? Then the pandemic hit, the project got shelved for a year, and then we started talking about it. So to answer your question, first of all, so it's kind of split. The orchestra didn't cost us anything. That's nice. (laughs) It's a collaboration with them. The album is being distributed by Kraft Concord Records. So in terms of that and the costs for what we had to do in terms of going into the studio, they took care of that. Okay. Oh, that explains a lot on that part. And then um, in terms of how we make money on this, well, it's the same rules that always applied in terms of uh, record. There's a budget, and when that budget or whatever is paid off through sales and stuff, 
then we start getting royalties on it. That makes a lot of sense, except for that really interesting part, sales. So how do most people access it in terms of sales that you're talking about? Well, it started with streaming. Mm -hmm. So uh, there were singles that were put out. And then finally, uh, the album itself was put out on all major streaming uh, platforms. Platforms, thank you. That was the word I was looking for, and it wasn't coming up. No worries. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, they released the CD on that. And then there was some talk about vinyl, but that's not going to happen because of oil shortages and because printing facilities, there's only about two that cover the world. Unreal. There's one in Japan and there's one that's in Northern California. I believe there's more. But because of the state of, of the world right now, everything in terms of vinyl, everything is backed up. Back to the dough. That's coming in on the CDs and the vinyl, if any. that That's where the money part is? It comes there and also with publishing. So uh, uh, as a writer, whoever uh, is a writer amongst the group, we get the publishing and writing on that. And that's based on sales, though, that make the publishing? Yes, based on sales. Okay, so whatever portion of the sales, you'll get the publishing and then your own cut uh, on top of that. What's neat about it, though, for you guys is this is a legacy. Not a lot of bands are tapping into something that goes for the length of time that this has been, but then in your own personal sphere. This is a a treasure for us because we didn't have you when, when the whole band was here. So starting with acting on stage on Broadway, talking about tracing it back in Oliver at age 12, how you got into it at that age and ended up on Broadway? Um, I was uh, a child actor. I mean, at the time when I auditioned for Oliver, I was 12 years old, as you said, and that was my vision. I wanted to do that. I had studied in New York as a kid, you know, dance, tap dance and singing and all that kind of stuff and started going on auditions went up for Oliver and I remember it was an open call because I wasn't a member of of equity or anything and so there were probably about I don't know 700 kids there tons and tons and tons of lines around the block so I went in and I did my song and dance and then I got a call back and I went in and this maybe for those that are aspiring to kind of go into theater and get discouraged and stuff like that so maybe this is this will be a nice story so I went in for my my audition, and um, there was Peter Coe, who was the uh, director, and Lionel Bart, who was the writer of Oliver, wow. the show. David Merrick, who was the producer of the show, and um, Donald Pippin, who was a musical director, and there they were. And I come in sick. I, oh. I had the flu. <laughs> I had a 103 temperature, and I had the flu and laryngitis, oh. and I couldn't sing. Oh, my God. So I get up in front of them and I start singing and nothing is coming out. And I turn to the piano player and I say, stop. And I said, I'm really sorry, but I can't talk. I said, nothing is coming out. And they looked at me and they said, thank you very much. (laughs) And then I left and I cried and I thought I blew it and everything else. And then four months went by an appendicitis <laughs> four months went by and all of a sudden there's a call we want you to be in the show whoa so 
that was it. So we did a six month tour around the States before we went to Broadway. And then and then we did Broadway. And that was kind of the beginning. And then I was like a professional kid in New York, went to professional schools, going on auditions, doing commercials, doing all that kind of stuff. It's incredible. That's such a great story. So inspiring on so many levels uh, about having the chutzpah, correct, to do that. <laughs> chutzpah. And I also had my mother. There you go. And she had a lot of chutzpah. Uh, right. <laughs> well, and Oliver, you know, Davy Jones was with us in, in the show. That was prior to the monkeys. And uh, I met most of my heroes, Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald. List goes on and on and on. Tony, you mentioned Tony first. For me, when when my voice changed and I was crooning, <laughs> doing uh, weddings and bar mitzvahs. But my main influence was Tony. And I had an album. I mean, I, I wore it out. Tony's Greatest Hits, Volume 3. <laughs> and I would sing to Tony every day. <laughs> and finally, I went into the studio in Newark at Hertz uh, Recording Studio, and I cut six sides. And two of the th- songs that I, that I recorded was Who Can I Turn To? And if I rule the world, he was such an influence on me. Yeah. So that's why I think I named him first. You know, so when we did our Christmas album, we had done something with Tony and we asked him if he would come and sing on our Christmas album. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, if I come and sing on your Christmas album, then will you come and sing on I'm doing a Christmas special? And we said, yeah, no problem. (laughs) So we shook hands. No money, no contract. And that's wow. what we did was amazing. It was like, I can't believe that I'm, you know, here with my, my idol. It's the Manhattan Transfer and Alan Paul will continue tomorrow. Find this segment and all the Road Stories interviews at hawaiipublicradio.org slash roadstories. And join us tomorrow for more with the Manhattan Transfer. I'm Dave Lawrence.